0: Well, hello there. Welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. You can probably tell that my voice still isn't right, but there we go. We are powering through in our Halloween month, and we've already looked at cats, the number 13, and broomsticks. This week, we're looking at pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns, and then next week, we'll be having a look at Halloween spells, just in time for the big event. Now, carved pumpkins have really become synonymous with Halloween, and I've definitely noticed an uptick in how much you say about pumpkins these days and making a jack-o'-lantern is no longer related to the important job of protecting your hearth and home and instead there seems to be more of a, a focus on making scary or artistic lanterns and seriously if you hop on something like pinterest and look up some of the amazed carved pumpkin art i genuinely don't know how some people have got the patience they are absolutely fantastic you also see children collecting their trick-or-treat candy in plastic pumpkin buckets, and let's be honest, you can't move in a certain high street coffee shop chain for pumpkin spice drinks from the middle of September onwards. So how on earth did a carved fruit become a universal symbol for an annual festival? Let's find out. We're going to start off with the actual jack-o'-lantern itself, which, strictly speaking, doesn't have to be a pumpkin, and I'll explain why in a little bit of time. But the name Jack-o'-lantern, which obviously some people still use, is widely believed to come from Stingy Jack, who's a figure in Irish folklore. And according to the legend, Jack's a bit of a trickster, and he enjoys getting the better of people. Obviously, this kind of behaviour tends to annoy quite a lot of others, so he drives away most of his acquaintances with his fairly deceitful behaviour, So Jack one day, he's sitting in the pub, he's on his own, so he asks the devil to drink with him, because literally nobody else will. Satan agrees, because obviously he enjoys a good knees up as much as the next man, and then Jack convinces him to transform himself into a coin to pay for the drinks. Obviously at first Satan thinks he's helping Jack get one over on the bar staff, but then he realises, no, Jack's actually getting one over on him, because instead of using the coin to buy another round, he puts it in his pocket next to a silver cross. This obviously means that the devil can't change back into his normal form and he's basically forced to do Jack's bidding until he promises he'll leave Jack alone for a year. So he can't claim Jack's soul if he dies during this year. I'm not quite sure what would happen to his soul anyway if if he died and, and Satan couldn't touch him, but there you go. So the following year, Jack decides he wants to do something similar he wants to get get one up on the devil and buy himself a little bit more time and this time he gets the devil to climb a tree and then Jack carves a cross into the bark meaning that the devil can't then climb back down the tree and Jack only helps him if the, the devil promises to leave him alone for 10 years when Jack finally died because obviously he was bound to at some point God wouldn't let him into heaven following his scheming ways and quite honestly, can you blame him? And true to his word, the devil also can't take Jack's soul either. And he basically bans him from entering hell. He's obviously had enough of Jack's shenanigans. Can't be bothered with him anymore. and just bans him. So Jack can't go either way. He's stuck in the middle. So the devil gives Jack a burning coal, which marks him as a figure of the netherworld. So he's basically got a foot in, in, in no camp, really. So doomed to wander the earth for eternity, Jack pops his burning coal into a turnip to light his way. And this ghostly figure becomes Jack of the Lantern. And if you look on my blog post for this episode, which is icysedwick.com forward slash jack hyphen hyphen lantern, the link is in the show notes, you'll see an image of, uh, basically it's a turnip jack-o'-lantern and it's quite possibly one of the most terrifying things that you will ever see online. And uh, it's, it's actually early 20th century, but it is made out of a turnip and it's it's really quite nasty. But people basically started carving faces into turnips and potatoes to frighten away Stingy Jack or other wandering spirits. And if you put them in your doorways or windows, it seemed to do the trick. So obviously people did this more often. When the Irish took the tradition to America, turnips were a lot harder to come by. So they were looking for a substitute and they found pumpkins, which made an excellent choice and also easier to carve than turnips. And then they discovered they also liked the insides in pie. It should be noted though that turnip lanterns don't actually show up in Irish records, which you'd think they would since the original story comes from Irish folklore. But these turnip lanterns do pop up in English accounts, where 18th century people in Worcestershire actually carved similar lanterns from turnips to ward off undesirable visitors, shall we say. And carved pumpkins first pop up in American records in 1837 as part of regular harvest celebrations, so at that point, they were just like an artistic thing that you did to celebrate the harvest and the bounty and all that kind of thing. They only actually appear in relation to Halloween in the late 19th century. So you have to wonder what exactly happened in the interim period to get people to suddenly go, oh, hang on a minute, I know what we could do. And this is what always fascinates me about folklore, the fact you can go, oh, here's a story of Stingy Jack and this is how you know, people ended up using turnips as lanterns to ward him off. And then there's a massive gap before anybody actually does so in relation to pumpkins. So I do wonder what people were doing in the meantime. Anyway, Mental Floss actually claimed that the term jack-o'-lantern originally referred to a night watchman. And that goes back as far as 1663, which obviously would make sense because night watchmen would be walking around with a lantern. Later, people associated the jack-o'-lantern with the -the will-o'-the-wisp. And these are the strange lights that flicker over marshes and bogs because, generally speaking, it's just these marshes and bogs give off gas which can take on this weird phosphorescence. And the -the Will-o'-the-Wisp dates to the 17th century and its earliest usage places it in East Anglia. And I can't find any definitive link, but I do wonder if people had seen these weird, eerie marsh lights and then wondered if that was actually Stingy Jack and his lantern and that's where the link came from. According to Horopedia, there are other theories that suggest jack-o'-lanterns actually represented souls in purgatory. Now, way back before the Reformation in England, when the country was largely still Catholic, people believed that the soul essentially lingered in purgatory after death. So you didn't go to heaven, you didn't go to hell, you were just stuck in this midway place. And saying prayers for the soul helped to speed them through the process, which is why a lot of wealthy people would leave huge amounts of money to the church, because then the people in the church would then say prayers for the the departed soul, which would help get them through purgatory faster. And the poor would often say prayers for the daily departed of wealthy families in exchange for food. So at Halloween, when they would go around knocking on people's doors, asking, have you got anyone you want me to pray for? They would be given soul cakes, And that kind of creates a prototype for trick-or-treating, so you're essentially fed in exchange for saying prayers. Then you have the Reformation, and the Church of England dispenses with the concept of purgatory, and souls basically then go straight to heaven or hell. So, obviously by that point, you wouldn't then have a light to represent a soul in purgatory. So I'd be surprised if people carved turnips to represent these souls in purgatory once the belief became less common in later centuries. And then some people think that the jack-o'-lantern warded off the undead and the light could be used to identify vampires. And then other stories also consider the lantern to be a means of guiding home the spirit of the dead. And for these families, they place a jack-o'-lantern outside their home to guide the daily departed home for the evening. Obviously, at Halloween, there's a lot of talk about the veil between the worlds being at its thinnest, so it would be a lot easier for, for the, the souls to find their way home if you'd put a light out for them. However, I can't help thinking in these cases that people are confusing the jack-o'-lantern which originally was intended to ward off evil spirits with the traditional Saween candle in the window which is the idea of guiding your deceased ancestors home. So they are two slightly different things. But we can't really talk about pumpkins and not mention The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. And in this story, we'll ignore the, 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 the Tim Burton version of Johnny Depp, but in the original story, schoolteacher Ichabod Crane is basically, he, he keeps hearing legends of this headless horseman. And one day he's heading home and he's actually terrorised by the spirit while he's trying to get back. And the ghoul even takes off his head and throws it at Crane, which knocks him off his horse. And the following day, the only thing anyone can find is Crane's hat and the shattered remains of a pumpkin. Now, Irving never makes any mention of a carved face on the pumpkin, so the reader has to assume that Crane has mistaken the pumpkin for a head in the darkness, which I suppose would probably be quite easily done, particularly if you were terrified. Now, in the 1949 Disney version, they quite clearly added a grinning face to the pumpkin head, so they had obviously then been inspired by all these carved pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns and so on, and decided to conflate the two. And some people think that American children then took to carving these really outlandish lanterns to play pranks on one another. So, was Irving inspired by them, or were they inspired by Irving? It's not really necessarily clear. Obviously, instead of just buying pumpkins, you can always grow your own. And incidentally, you should plant pumpkins when the apple trees blossom. And there's a little rhyme that goes with this, saying, Plant pumpkin seeds in May, and they will all run away. Plant pumpkin seeds in June, and they will come soon. And then obviously once you've scooped out the inside of your pumpkin to make your lantern, what do you do with the innards? You make a pumpkin pie, obviously. So I've got a recipe for pumpkin pie on my blog and there's also a few recipes for soul cakes as well. If you want to hand out something other than sweets to trick or treat us. So basically, what it boils down to is people have been carving these things since at least the 17th, 18th century. And whatever reason you believe people had for doing so, whether people still carve them as a protective thing, if they carve them to just join in with the the spirit of the season, or whether they carve pumpkins because it's actually quite an interesting art form and some of them are absolutely fantastic. Whatever reason people have for making jack-o'-lanterns, they are actually, when you think about it, quite benign, really. And obviously people sometimes leave them outdoors after. The, the event and then the local wildlife basically disposes of them for you so in this era of sustainability and doing your part for the environment actually pumpkins are biodegradable so you're actually quite you're fine to just leave them out to rot that's kind of what fruit does okay so don't worry about that but anyway if you are out on Halloween and you do see a light bobbin in the distance you should probably take care though because it might just be jack-o'-lantern wandering between the worlds That's it for this week's episode. Uh, Next week, as I say, we're going to have a look at some Halloween spells. One of them does involve actually enchanting a pumpkin to protect your home and property. So you might want to tune in for that one if that kind of thing floats your boat. Otherwise, I will see you soon. I hope you have an amazing week. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com and that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!